good to see you this morning. It really is. Thank you. Thank you for being here at Village Green. You are an encouragement, right? I get to stand up here. The worship team gets to be up here and look out and see you all here who've chosen to be here. And uh, it's encouraging for us. And as we look around the room, we're encouraging to one another. So I mean that. Thank you for being here this morning. Your presence here makes a difference. We're into week three of our sermon series called Damaged Goods. Um, we've been wrestling together with um, this fact that life can get messy, right? We all know this. Life can get messy. It can leave us feeling like damaged goods sometimes. Maybe a little helpless, maybe a little hopeless, okay? It's never our plan. It's never anyone's plan to end up feeling this way. But sometimes we find ourselves in these positions. Sometimes it's our own mistakes that make life messy, right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. This was the story of the prodigal son, right? He wanted what he wanted and he wanted it now, right? And surprisingly, maybe, he got what he wanted, and yet he made bad choices, and his life got a lot messy. But despite hundreds of bad choices, maybe even more, it was one good choice that changed everything for him to return to his father and repent. And we see the father welcoming him with open arms, and this is the way that God welcomes us, no matter how broken we may be because of our own choices. Because the truth is, is that God's grace wins whenever it is confronted with our brokenness. Sometimes, however, life gets messy, not because of the choices we have made, but because of choices other people have made. And sometimes we feel like collateral damage. This was last week, right? We talked about the story of Joseph in the Bible. And if you're familiar with that, the first thing you might remember that we talked about last week is that his brothers sold him into slavery and told his father that he had been killed. So here's Joseph, not of his own choosing, by his brother's doing, selling him into slavery. His father thinks he's dead. No one, because he's dead, is going to come and rescue him. And yet, we see in the life of Joseph that God steps in and rescues Joseph. He leads him out of that slavery and into a place of great influence and power. What his brothers meant for harm, God used for good. Because no life is too damaged that God cannot redeem it and fill it with new life and new purpose. Right? But what if the source of life's mess isn't your bad choices? What if the source of life's mess is not even other people's bad choices? What if it's a bit more complicated than that? What if you aren't sure who to blame? What if you can't put your finger on it? How many of you heard of Murphy's Law before? Right? Good old Murphy, right? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. This is Murphy's Law. It's not really a law, of course. It's more of a feeling that we get when it seems like everything is against us, right? You know what I'm talking about. Inanimate objects seem to pit their will against ours and try to block us and mess us up in life. Gravity, gravity has it out for you some days, doesn't it? Right? Um, When it rains, on that one day, you forget your umbrella, right? When you're in the grocery store or at the border and you choose the shortest line, because it will go fastest, but somehow it's also the slowest, right? 
Murphy's Law, anything that can go wrong will go wrong. Is it bad luck? Is it just crazy coincidence? Is the universe out to get you? Is it God's fault? Well, usually it's not the grocery store line or the borderline that causes us to question God. But if you've been to Costco on a Saturday, you maybe have. Um, (laughs) But sometimes in life, things happen that mess us up, don't they? And they leave us feeling like damaged goods, and we don't know who to blame or where to point the finger, right? When you get a diagnosis of an illness that reshapes your life or the life of a loved one, when you hear of an accident or a calamity that hits you so hard you can't breathe, when you've been working so hard for years towards a goal but it remains out of your grasp, you've been praying to God for it, you've been hoping for it, It just hasn't happened, right? If God is so big and so strong, why isn't he helped? If God loves me so much, why do I feel so unloved? We've all been in these moments of life, haven't we, where we've questioned God. Does he care? Does he even see what I'm going through? Does he really love me? Back in the 16th century, St. John of the Cross wrote a poem, and he, in the poem he talks about the soul's journey from its bodily home to its place with God. And this poem has um, been titled, The Dark Night of the Soul. Because in this poem, the dark night is used to describe this feeling in life where you feel as if God is completely unknowable. In the moment, in those circumstances, in the dark of night, God seems unknowable, and his plans and his purposes are equally unknowable. The dark night is a place that's filled with a lot of questions. Why? Why now? Why this? Where are you, God? What are you doing? And the greatest question in the dark night of the soul is this. Why me, Lord? Why me, You know, life can leave us feeling damaged. We can feel hopeless and helpless. And the worst part of it all is that sometimes in the midst of it, it can seem like God is silent and inactive. So what do we do in these moments? What do we do in these dark night moments? Where do we find hope in the dark? That's our quest this morning. It's a big one, okay? Psalm 77. If you got your Bibles, you can always follow along on the screen or on your uh, phones if you've got a Bible downloaded on that. Okay, but we're turning to Psalm chapter 77. And as you turn there, let me assure you, okay, there is light that comes out of the dark, okay? God is good. God loves you. These things are true. Hope is coming, okay? God has a plan for you a future for you, a hope for you, okay? We're going to get to that bit. But sometimes you have to slog through the dark night, okay? So let's start reading Psalm 77. We're going to break it down into a few chunks here. But you're going to hear what it's like to live in the dark night. And you might relate to some of what the psalmist is going through, okay? So Psalm chapter 77, and we'll start, obviously, verse 1, okay? I cry out to God. Yes, I shout Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God, and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. 
Okay? Let's just stop here for a second because this, these few verses are describing what life is like when it's lived in the dark, right? In these moments, okay? I cry out to God. In fact, I shout, right? When you're saying something over and over again and someone's just not hearing you, what do you do? You just talk louder, right? You shout, you scream, and here he is shouting at God, but feels completely unheard. God does not listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for God, okay? When life is at its worst, and you think, I'm all alone, but certainly God will not have left me. I should be able to find God even in this dark, but somehow our search comes up empty, and we feel as if God is not with us, that he has abandoned us, right? The psalmist prays, I prayed with hands lifted towards heaven, reached out to God. All I need, God, is a little hug, just some kind of a reminder that you're there and it's going to be okay. I'm praying, arms stretched out for just a piece of you, but God isn't there to bring comfort, I think of God, right, like a puzzle. I try to find perspective on my situation. God, just give me some, let me just see my life and my circumstance from just a slightly different angle, because if I can, maybe things will make sense. God, just give me a little bit of your wisdom here. God, help me just piece this together. Maybe if I just rework it in my mind over and over and over. But God does not help you find perspective or peace. This is what it's like to live in the dark. Maybe you've been there. Maybe you are there. Okay? Living in the dark leaves you distressed and will leave you distorted. Okay? That's what these next verses are about. Let's keep reading. Okay? Starting at verse 4 now. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed even to pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and I ponder what is the difference now, okay? Again, let's pause. Here's the distress, right? I said, living in the dark night of the soul will leave you distressed and distorted, okay? This is the distressed part, okay? No sleep. You don't let me sleep. Have you ever been sleep deprived? Parents are like, "Uh uh-huh, right? If you go without sleep for an extended period of time, you know how distressed that can make the rest of your life. Everything else in life becomes harder when you don't sleep. The only thing that becomes easier is your distress, right? It's the only thing that seems to come easier. No amount of coffee, no energy drinks going to help, right? When you don't sleep, things become harder, things become distressed. The psalmist now is so distressed that he doesn't even pray, right? You sense this feeling of being damaged goods, helpless and hopeless. Remember, he used to pray with his arms extended out looking for a hug, but now just a couple of verses later, I can't even pray. I have no hope. There's no answer. There's no future. Distress. Okay? He searches his soul and ponders, what is the difference now? He thinks back when, when his nights were filled with joyful songs, and I'm sure loads of sleep. It wasn't like he was just out clubbing every night, right? 
he was in a better place and things were good. He thinks back. Um, he searches his soul. What's the difference? Why now? Why? I have no answers. I have no perspective. The only thing he can think to do is to think back to when things were better. And that's what living in the dark does. That's the distress that it causes. It takes you and feels like you have no future, like you have no hope. It's better just to go and try to live in the past. And we all know that doesn't work, right? Okay? Living in the dark will leave you distressed. It'll also leave you distorted. Let's start reading again at verse 7, all right? And notice some of these questions that the psalmist asks and the distortion that we see of who God is, okay? Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Have his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? Okay? Distortion, okay? The writer here is questioning some of the key attributes of who God is as described to us in the Bible, right? Has God rejected me forever? What if God's promised to be faithful to us? Okay? Will he never again be kind to me? What of God's loving kindness? What about that? Is his unfailing love gone forever? I love this one, right? The writer knows it's unfailing love. And yet he says, has it gone forever? Well, <laughs> If it's gone, then it's failed, so it's not unfailing love, right? Do you, see, do you see the distortion in the questions of who God really is? This week, I, I have some homework for you if you're up for the challenge. If you don't like homework, um, let's just call it a challenge, okay? Um, homework is a scary thing still for many of us, okay? But there's a question in your, in your life group questions as well, and you're, I want you to talk about this in your life groups this week if you can, but it requires you to do a little bit of digging first. I want you to look at these um, six questions, right? Yeah, six questions from Psalm 77, and I want you to think about or look up in your Bible, try to search and find verses that undo the distortion, okay? Because these questions are questioning key attributes of God, key attributes that we know are true of God, but in the dark, we question them. And that's the reality, okay? For example, right, um, has God rejected us forever? Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of your enemies. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Okay? Um, so a little bit of homework there, okay? Because these things are important, especially in the dark. We need to be reminded when we feel as if we can't see God or know God, we have to depend on what we do know of God and, and try to reclaim that in our lives, okay? Because if you live for any length of time, but certainly for a long time, living in this dark night, you will be led to one conclusion, and that's verse 10, okay? And I said... This is my fate. This is it. It's over, right? This is my fate. The Most High has turned his hand against me. 
Do you think the psalmist is feeling like damaged goods? Do you think he's feeling a little helpless or a little hopeless? Yeah, okay. What do we do? How do we find a way forward in the dark? Okay. Remember I said there's some light, okay? We're going to read the rest of the psalm, okay? Because there's a distinct turning point you'll see. I'm not going to break up this section as much. We're just going to read it straight through together. But we're going to see the other side of the dark night, okay? So to speak, okay? So uh, we've just come to this conclusion that God has turned his hand against me, okay? Starting at verse 11. But then. I love those words in the Bible, right? But then. I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea. Your pathway through the mighty waters. A pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along that road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. This psalm ends in a very different way than it started, right? It began with darkness and despair, but it ends with hope and faith. But let me ask you this. What has changed for the writer? Has the situation shifted? Has the circumstances, circumstance let go of its vicious hold? No, not that we know of. But light has come into the darkness. Hope has returned. So how is this possible? How is this possible? How in the midst of smothering darkness has hope once again found room to breathe? How on the slippery shores of distress and distortion has faith once again managed to find a foothold? How can we find a way forward, even in the dark night of the soul, even when God feels so silent? I want to end today by just looking at four truths that spoke to me from this psalm, and I hope they speak to you. I hope God uses it to encourage you for maybe a situation or a circumstance you're facing right now in life, or maybe one you will face, or maybe one you've been facing for a long, long time. I pray that God gives you a little bit of insight into how you can find a way forward, even in the dark, okay? Because I think there's four truths that we can um, take from this psalm that will help us to keep the faith, that will help us to hold on to hope, even when life is at its darkest, okay? And the first truth is this. 
You are not alone. Okay? You are not alone. The preamble to this psalm um, in my Bible says this is a psalm for Jeduthun. He's the choir director. And it's a psalm of Asaph. This is church music, right? This is church music. It's a song to be sung at church. Of course, in the Old Testament, this was the temple, right? But the choir would sing these psalms. This is a church song. The dark night of the soul is not something that should remain hidden, isolated, or never talked about because of shame, all right? A good Christian would never question God. My faith must be so, so small if I'm in such a dark, dark place. No, you're not alone. Many great men and women of faith have endured and been in the dark night of the soul. Asaph has. You are not alone. You know, God can handle your questions. God can even handle, handle your anger. He can handle your hurt. He can handle your despair. He's God. He created you. He knows you. He loves you. It's okay, right? Notice in the psalm, Asaph does all the right things. He, he cries out to God. He prays to God. He wrestles with God. He groans and moans at God. What's the commonality in all these things? He does them to God. He comes to God even when he feels like God is not there or God is silent. How do we keep faith and restore hope? Bring yourself to church, right? Bring yourself to God, more importantly. With humility and with honesty, come to God. Don't be ashamed of your struggle. Bring yourself honestly and in humility to God. Stay connected to God and his people. You're not alone, right? It's a huge reason why you're here this morning, why we're at church, okay? Your presence here on Sunday mornings matters. It's not just for you. It matters to all of us here because when you are here, you speak a message of hope and encouragement to everyone around you. Have you thought about that? Your presence here to worship with us on Sunday morning matters You bring a message of hope and encouragement. And what is that message? You're not alone. We are in this thing called faith together. We are struggling together. We're moving forward together. We're celebrating together. We're learning together. We're praising together. We are not alone. Because do you know the thing about the dark night of the soul? It's a whole lot darker, a whole lot scarier when you do it alone. In isolation, it's most daunting. But when we come together and we say, I'm not in this alone. I am allowed to struggle, but I need to keep coming to God. That's when we start to see hope return. That's when we see faith stand strong, okay? So as I said, thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for the message that you are speaking. We're not alone in this. We're in this together. Okay, truth number two, now is not always, okay? Now is not always. Verse 11, 
Okay, look at me with, with me for verse 11. But then I recall all that you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. Often in the dark, it doesn't even need to be that dark, we can suffer from what I call spiritual amnesia, okay? Where we forget all that God has done in the past. We fail to remember that God has been faithful in the past. You know, we as human beings, we can have short memories at times, right? But add to your short memory problem the situation that's all-consuming that you're facing or the situation that feels so overwhelming. It's easy to forget God's faithfulness. But verse 11 is where we begin to see a shift in Psalm 77, isn't it? And it begins with two things, recall and remember. It's almost a little bit of a formula, right? It's a formula to combat spiritual amnesia. When you're in those moments, recall all that God has done. Remember how he has been faithful in the past. And I would add one more thing, and then repeat. Recall, remember, repeat the goodness of God, right? Our tagline kind of for this message, whenever brokenness meets God's grace, grace wins. Recall, remember, Repeat this message to your heart over and over and over again. You know, when the Israelites were moving into the promised land under the leadership of Joshua, um, they faced the Jordan River. And this was the second time that the people of Israel passed through um, a body of water on dry land. The water literally stood up in columns, okay, and allowed them to pass through into the promised land. And in Joshua, it describes in this time a command that God gave to Joshua. And he said, tell 12 people, one from each of the tribes of Israel, that as you're going through from the middle of where there should be water, pick up a stone and carry it to the promised land side. And when you get to the other side, once you have crossed safely, take those 12 stones and pile them up in a monument. So these were not little, oh, river rock, a little pebble, right? They must have got some strong people, right? Make a monument with these 12 stones. Why? Why would God give a command like this? Well, in Joshua, it says, I think it's chapter 4, it says, um, because then, years from now, when your children ask, what are these pile of stones doing here? You can tell them of the great and wondrous salvation of your God who leads us always into the fulfillment of his promises. Isn't that beautiful? Put monuments up in your life. Put markers up in your life. Put things in front of you visually, in your homes, in your hearts, wherever, so that you can remember, recall and remember the faithfulness of God. You know, so I ask myself, what monuments or markers do I have in my life that when things get really bad, what's something I can turn to and say, hey, remember when? Remember, I recall that. And sometimes it's hard for us to do that. That's why if you have something in front of you, something visual, something you place in your Bible, something you hang in your home, something you have on your fridge, somewhere you go every day, right? The bathroom. How many people put scripture verses in their bathroom, right? Yeah, 
right? You're there. You might as well think about God and be reminded of his faithfulness. Build a monument, okay? But it's true because these things will help us to recall and remember the faithfulness of God when life is at its darkest, okay? And it will remind you that now is not always. Now, notice it doesn't, dis, it doesn't disvaluate. No, that's not the right word. It doesn't mean what you're experiencing is not real. It doesn't necessarily change what you're feeling in the moment. It doesn't discredit that. But what it does is it can remind you and help recall to you that now is now. But now is not always. And God will be faithful. Look to those monuments. Look to those promises. God will be faithful. You know, Kids Connection downstairs. Um, for those of you who have kids in Kids Connection, do you, do you go with them? Hopefully you go with them through the story that they're learning. Every week, these kids learn the awesome wonder of God's love through remembering stories, right? A couple weeks ago, it was Jesus heals a blind man. And then right after that, Jesus heals a blind man. I think today they're talking about Jesus healing the lepers, right? These kids, we're building, Kids Connection is building monuments and places to turn in a kid's life that when life gets hard, they'll remember God is a God of redemption. God is a God who brings sight to the blind, sound to the deaf, walking and dancing to the lame. He brings salvation to the hopeless. Amen? We're building monuments in these kids' hearts. And somewhere along the line, maybe as adults, we forget to do that. Maybe you need to volunteer in Kids Connection and be, <laughs> and be reminded with these kids. Every week they get a story like this. God is faithful. God is miraculous. God is amazing. You can recall and remember these things, okay? These stories are placed in our hearts and minds, and they're stories that help us remember that now is not always. God is faithful, okay? Truth number three, God is over all, okay? Verse 13, O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? There is none like God. He's above all other gods. Last week, when John was talking about Joseph, he talked about having a Joseph mindset. And do you remember what his first point was in having a Joseph mindset? God's got this. Remember that from last week? God's got this. This thought follows right along in that same line of thinking because this mindset says God is over all. No matter how difficult my situation is, God is greater. No matter how hopeless things may seem, God is greater. No matter how damaged I may feel, God is greater. No matter what I have to face in life, God is greater. John 16, chapter, 30, chapter 16, verse 33 says, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. God is greater. And when we're in the dark, we're feeling damaged, we're feeling like God is silent, it's easy to see how we can forget this. Because life is hard, and victory is hard to see in the throes of battle. And let's not forget this, right? We're in a spiritual battle, okay? 
when we feel the weight of struggle, when we feel like the psalmist, we're in distress, and the distortion of who God is begins to settle in, and we begin to question the core nature and character of who God has proven himself to be over and over again, where do you think those thoughts come from? They come from our enemy, right? What good does it do us as believers if we question God's unfailing love? No good. What good does it do our enemy if we begin to question the unfailing love of God? Gotcha, right? So this is where we need to guard our hearts. You see, I think sometimes, though, in the battle, we feel as if when it's raging and victory can be hard to see, we forget that God is overall because somehow we're made to believe that that the battle against good and evil is like these two equally powerful forces pitted against one another and, and just blow for blow, back and forth. But this is not the truth of the Scripture, right? God is over all. At the end of the story, one word shall fell him. God is greater than anything you are facing. I realize in the moment that's a hard truth to swallow, but we need to be reminded time and time again of this truth that God is over all. God has got this. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you will ever have to face, God is greater. God is greater. Okay? The last truth. Truth number four. Redemption is coming, but it may be hidden Okay, I love verses 16 uh, down through 20, okay, to 19 in, in particular. But if you notice, it's this epic retelling of the parting of the Red Sea, right? I talked about Joshua going through the Jordan uh, and the waters parting so that the people could enter into promised land under Joshua. Well, this is the other parting of the waters story. This is with Moses. This is fleeing Egyptian um, slavery, right? And if you're familiar with the story, the Israelites have all come to, to the shores of the Red Sea, but they don't have any boats, they can't get across, and, and worse yet, the Egyptians have changed their mind, while well, Pharaoh has, and he sent his army to chase them down. So they have a body of water ahead of them that they can't um, cross, and they have an army coming behind them who will surely destroy them or just simply drag them back into slavery, okay? It feels like there is nowhere to go. There is no help in sight, and yet this retelling in these verses is, is God's redemption showing up in an incredible, unexpected, unforeseen way. Now, in the Psalms, right, we're dealing with the, the Old Testament, right? Um, the story of freedom from Egyptian slavery is the story of redemption for the, for the Israelite people, for the Jewish people, even still today, right? When you ask about the redemption of God, they're going to go to out of Egyptian slavery through the Red Sea, God saves me, okay? Um, for believers in Jesus Christ, right, we, we still hold on. That's an amazing story. But our, our story of redemption is, is Jesus Christ. We look to the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. Both remind us that God is a God of redemption and that redemption is, is coming, but, but it may be hidden. For the Israelites that day, faced with a body of water and an army, who would have ever thought that the waters through, like, listen, the, the wind started to roar, the rumbling of the sky, the thunder, the lightning, the, God showed his mighty power, and 
water stood up on itself, and God's people came across on dry land. Who would have imagined that that's how God would bring his redemption in that moment and in that time? Think of the disciples looking up at Jesus, dying on a Roman cross, dead on a Roman cross, buried in a tomb. Who would have ever imagined that through death of the Messiah, three days later would come an empty grave and the promise that death will never defeat us when we're in Jesus Christ? Who would have ever thought that there was a pathway in those situations? In the dark night of the soul, what's your question? Where's the way forward? Where's the path forward? There seems to be no way out of this. What does Psalm 77 remind us of? God is a God of redemption. He takes broken things, he makes them new. He enters into the darkest of situations and brings light. He surrenders to death, but he rises up again in new life. He takes damaged things and restores them. You see, God is a God of redemption. No matter how damaged you may feel, no matter how dark things may seem to be, redemption is coming. But it may be hidden. But, nevertheless, God has a pathway for you, right? Look at verse 19. A pathway no one knew was there. Exclamation mark, right? There is a path forward for you in the darkest of nights. Because God is a God of redemption. Just like John said last week, if God takes you to it, God will certainly see you through it. The situation did not change for the psalmist, right? Here we are. We're at the end of the psalm. We're at the end of the the, the choir song, okay? We've just sung it together, so to speak. We're at the end of it. The situation hasn't really changed for the psalmist. And this morning, I don't know, maybe your situation feels like it hasn't changed either, Okay? But a heart of faith has emerged in the psalmist. In the midst of darkness, hope has come and returned. I don't know what will happen. I don't know what way forward God has for you, but I can tell you this morning that God is faithful. God is a God of redemption. He will see you through it. A pathway is coming. A pathway you don't know is there. Yet. Murphy's Law says anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and at times it can feel like everything and everyone is against us, including God. Maybe you're feeling left helpless. Maybe you're feeling left hopeless. But with God, we are never without hope. Why? Because God's law is always greater than Murphy's Law. And God's law says that anything damaged can be mended, comforted, and redeemed. Amen? Amen. Let's believe that this week, all right? I want to invite the worship team back up. 
this morning. And as I do, I just want to um, remind you of a couple things. One, if you're wanting some time to pray today, if you need some time to reflect on this and pray about it and, and wrestle in this place that you're in in life, I encourage you to go to the prayer room. Um, right out the main doors here, just keep going straight past the washrooms, um, door on the very left, okay? Members of our prayer team will be there if you want to pray with someone. Or if you just want a quiet place to be by yourself and reflect and pray, you can do that too. But I encourage you, take advantage of this time, okay? If you feel led to respond, take advantage, go to the prayer room, okay? But secondly, I want to ask you, please make some plans this week, or if you need to, cancel some plans this week, okay? Because you need to be back here next week. You need to be here on Sunday, okay? We're concluding our Damaged Goods series. We're looking at one of the most powerful, hope-filled, beautiful passages in the entire scripture. You will not want to miss it, okay? If you need some hope, if you need some inspiration, if you need some perspective, you're going to be given all that and reminded of God's unfailing love next Sunday. So make sure you're here, okay? Let's pray. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, this morning, would you breathe life into our souls? Would you awaken us once again with your grace? Would you refresh our hearts with your love? Help our hearts to recall your goodness. Help us to remember your promises. Speak to us and remind us again of your unfailing love. When life gets messy, when life leaves us feeling like damaged goods, may we always remember that nothing, nothing can separate us from your love. May we learn to embrace more and more each and every day that no matter how dark things may appear, the truth of the matter is that your love never fails. Amen.